0: Hello, my name is Tracy. Hi, Tracy. Hi Ken. <laughs> the Old Testament reading is found in Exodus 35:30 30 through 36:2. Then Moses said to the Israelites, "See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. He has filled him with divine spirit, with skill Intelligence and knowledge in every kind of craft, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver, and bronze, in cutting stones for setting, and in carving wood in every kind of craft. And he has inspired him to teach, both him and Aholiab, son of Ahisamach of the tribe of Dan. He has filled them with skill to do every kind of work done by an artesian or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue, purple, and crimson yarns, and in fine linen, or by a weaver, by any sort of artesian or skilled designer. Bezalel and Aholiab and every skillful one to whom the Lord has given skill and understanding to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all that the Lord has commanded. Moses then called Bezalel and Aholiab and every skillful one to whom the Lord had given skill, everyone whose heart was stirred to come to do the work. The word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. My name is Debbie. The New Testament reading is found in Galatians 6, 4 through 10. Each person should test their own work and be happy with doing a good job and not compare themselves with others. Each person will have to carry their own load. Those who are taught the Word should share all good things with their teacher. Make no mistake, God is not mocked. A person will harvest what they plant. Those who plant only for their own benefit will harvest devastation from their selfishness, but those who plant for the benefit of the Spirit will harvest eternal life from the Spirit. Let's not get tired of doing good, because in time we'll have a harvest if we don't give up. So then let's work for the good of all whenever we have an opportunity, and especially for those in the household of faith. The word of the Lord.
2: Good morning. My name is Pam. Hi, Ken, and everyone else. If you're able, please stand for the gospel reading found in Matthew 4:23 and 4:23 and 552. 5, Jesus said to them, "I am fed by doing the will of the one who sent me and by completing His work. Don't you have a saying? Four more months, and then it's time for harvest? Look, I tell you, open your eyes and notice that the fields are already ripe for the harvest. Those who harvest are receiving their pay and gathering fruit for eternal life so that those who sow and those who harvest can celebrate together. This is a true saying, that one sows and another harvests. I have sent you to harvest what you didn't work hard for. Others worked hard, and you will share in their work. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise
3: to Lord Christ. Hi, my name is Pastor Joe Kirkendall. I serve with New Life Manitou. And uh, thank you all for letting us visit this morning without power or heat we were cold and desolate and homeless and you all took us in well done good and faithful servants of new life downtown would you remain standing we get to declare our faith we're going to say in unison the apostles creed we believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth He will come again to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen.
4: Amen. Thank you, Pastor Joe. You may be seated, everyone. Good morning. My name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here at New Life Downtown. Our lead pastor, Pastor Glenn, is up at New Life North today. If you're visiting with us, maybe you're in town visiting family for a graduation, we welcome you. We're glad that you are here. If you're watching online, uh, we love you. Hope that you're doing well and look forward to the day that you're able to gather with us in Person, this is the sixth Sunday in the season of Easter, so the feast goes on. You have two more weeks uh, to celebrate Easter. We're going to cap it off together as a congregation with Church in the Park. So, next Sunday, we will not meet here, we'll meet at America the Beautiful Park downtown. One service, 10 a.m., all generations. Bring your own lawn chair or blankets. Bring sunscreen or coats, as Pastor Ken said. We don't know what the weather will be like. Uh, One of the two bring a water bottle, uh, bring lunch, or you can eat at a food truck. We'll have food trucks there afterwards, including, I think, Josh and John's, which is the highlight of uh, the whole church calendar for my kids every year. They're like, when do we get to have Josh and John's at church uh, again? So that'll be next Sunday. Today, we're continuing in that series that we started back in January entitled, Who is God?, where we've spent weeks talking about who is God the Father And then several weeks talking about who is God, the Son. And now we're talking about who is God, the Holy Spirit. And today we're talking specifically about the Holy Spirit and our creative vocation as humans. The Holy Spirit and our creative vocation as humans. We're going to begin in Genesis 1 and just dive right in. So Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And now the earth was formless. And empty or formless and void. And darkness was over the surface of the deep, but the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. When God begins to create the entire cosmos, we see that whatever He's working with is described as formless and empty and dark, sort of like Iowa in the winter. Or Colorado in May, I guess, is, you know, about this at the same time here. You just don't know when these snowstorms are going to hit. But here we have the Holy Spirit present. And the Holy Spirit hovering over the surface of the deep. One of the things that we've said throughout this entire series is it's important for us as the people of God to remember that whatever the Trinity does, the Trinity does together. That whatever the triune God does... The triune God does in unity. So if the Father is doing something, the Spirit and the Son are also acting. If the Son is doing something, the Father and the Spirit are there. If the Spirit is doing something, the Father and the Son are right along with Him. Their actions are actually inseparable from one another. In some mysterious way, each person of the Trinity is always acting within each other's actions. They're always present and at work. And so that's true even at creation. That it's not just the Father who creates, but the Son is present, and the Spirit is present, and the entire Trinity is at work in creation. How it actually works, we're left to kind of just imagine it a little bit. St. Basil, one of the early church fathers, was trying to wrap his mind around the Trinity's work in creation. And in his beautiful work on the Holy Spirit, he said this: He said, The Father brings everything into being through the Son, and brings everything to perfection through the Spirits. I love that. Brings everything into being through the Son and brings everything to perfection through the Spirit. However, we imagine it though. What the scriptures want us to know is the entire Trinity is at work. As that includes the Spirit. The Spirit of God is active in the very creation of the world. We could even say that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the Creator spirits. That this is who the Holy Spirit is. The Spirit is a Creator. The Spirit is the Creator. It's the Spirit. Who creates? What happens in Genesis over the next six days after that initial sort of opening is just unbelievably majestic. Then we see what happens is that which was formless becomes defined. That which was empty becomes filled. That which was chaotic becomes ordered. That which was dark gets shattered by light. The thing that was a nothingness, now the Lord looks at and describes as good. That which was uninhabitable is now able to sustain life. That which was lifeless is now teeming with all varied kinds of life. That the Spirit has transformed this into something beautiful and full of of life and wonder. And of course, when we get to the end of those six days, then we read that line that says, then God finished all of the work that he was doing and he rested. So what happens to us oftentimes is when we hear that, God finished for all the work that he was doing and then on the seventh day he rested. What we tend to have a picture of is we tend to have a picture that God is going about creating the world And he sort of takes creation and he wraps it up in a big present and then hands it over to his people. And we have this idea sometimes that happens for us as when we're kids. Did you ever have those moments when your parents got you a present and you like tear the whole thing open and you look at it and you just can't wait. to like tear the box apart and again, and just start playing with the thing. And then all of a sudden your parents are like, be careful, like don't do that. Don't, 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 like you're gonna break it. Something's gonna happen. And I even had these moments as a kid where my dad, when we would have certain guests, he'd say, I think it's actually better if we don't open this one. Uh, that if, if we actually just keep it in the original packaging, it might be worth more later on. you imagine that as a kid, like getting a present and going, this is for you. You can open it in 30 years. We do that with baseball cards all the time. It's like, if you just keep it in the original packaging. But we weren't collecting cards in the 50s. It was the 80s. Like, they're not worth anything anymore. But we, we sometimes think that way about God with creation, that he gave us this, like, package that was all perfect and given to us, and we just have to sort of, like, not break it and look at it sort of in that way. But actually, the pictures give us a different story. In Genesis... God doesn't present us with a static creation. And we don't have a passive vocation to just not touch it and not break it. We see a different picture. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. God blessed them, meaning people, and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the earth. Genesis 2 in that parallel account of creation puts it this way, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? To work and to take care of it. We see that humanity's initial commands be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Those are the same commands that he gave to birds and to animals and to fish. So, there's nothing unique about those commands to humans as people who are made in the image of God and bear the image of God. But then we see these four other verbs subdue, rule, work, take care of. The word is actually to guard or to protect. These verbs are the things that are unique to us as humans to work, to care, to guard, to protect, to cultivate. This is what image-bearing looks like in this place. These verbs actually suggest to us that creation is a bit wild, that the Garden of Eden was not an English tea garden, that there was more going on in this place, that the Garden of Eden, that the original creation actually needs cultivation, it needs care. It needs protection. It needs work. And we were placed in the garden by God to actually come alongside and do that. And that all happened before the fall. That all happened before we rebelled against God. There was work to be done. It's not simply that work is a curse that is upon us because we rebelled against God. It was present from the very beginning. There's one Old Testament scholar, Terrence Fretheim, put it this way. He said, from God's perspective, the world needs work. Development and change are what God intends for it, and God enlists human beings, you and me, to that end. From another angle, God did not exhaust the divine creativity in the first week of the world. Is that good news or what? God did not exhaust divine creativity in the first week of the world. Instead, God continues to create and uses creatures, us, people, in a vocation that involves the becoming of all creation. The creative work of God does not cease on the sixth day. The creative work of God continues, but it continues in a new way it continues in a different way than it did before and now continues through us with the spirits and now continues through us through the spirit we were actually created to co-create with god we were created to co-create with the spirit this is who we are as people this is part of our design this is what we were made for is to actually co-create with god Through the Spirit. Tolkien actually described people as sub-creators or as little makers. That we're actually called to emulate the true creator by actually carrying out a creative vocation ourselves. Actually, one of the best ways, one of the most beautiful ways that we actually emulate what God is like is by taking up the task of co-creating with him. We have all been given a creative vocation, not just creatives, I love creatives, graphic designers and artists and musicians and storytellers. And for those of you who are here in the room who do that, who bring your unique gifts and talents to writing new songs and telling new stories and painting beautiful pictures for us or crafting sculptures, thank you for the ways in which you embody the unique call of humanity to co-create with the Spirit. But for those of you who have always felt like, well, I'm not a creative the scriptures actually have a different story to tell you. The scriptures actually call all of us into the co-creative work of God. We all have a creative vocation. And that's not just in our paid work. Sometimes when we think about those things, we're like, well, in my paid work over here, that's the only thing I'm talking about. We separate things sometimes that the scriptures don't separate. The scriptures don't separate our paid work from our unpaid work, from the things that we are hired to do versus the things that we have to do because we own a home. (laughs) And there's work that has to be done there. Actually, all of it is considered a space in which we're invited in, both our jobs and the places we volunteer, and kids, all of those chores that your parents have you do. In my house, it's on Fridays. (laughs) We're actually meant to continue What was started in Genesis 1. We're invited to continue it. Our call as the people of God is to actually identify places in the world that are formless, to identify places that are dysfunctional and to bring definition and function to them. We're called to identify the places in our world that are empty, that are void, and to actually fill them with the goodness of God. We're called to identify the places around us that are chaotic and confusing, confusing and bring order and peace and clarity into those places. We're called to look around and see the places that are dark and cold and actually enter into those of the light and warmth and truth of Jesus Christ. We're called to look at the ways in which life around us has become uninhabitable, unsustainable, where things are not as they should be for other people, where fi- people find themselves in situations that are unsafe. And we're called to actually come in and say, How do we make this inhabitable? How do we make life sustainable? How do we help life flourish here? We're called to look around at the places that there's evil and start working for them to be good again. We're called to look and see the places that are lifeless and come along and say, how do we bring this back to life? This is what we do in all of our vocations. If you work in the justice system, if you work as a first responder, if you're working as a teacher or an educator, if you're working in healthcare, if you're working in defense, if you're working in nonprofits, if you're working in tech, if you're working in food service, if you're coming alongside in cleaning places, if you're working in lawn care and maintenance, whatever it is that you're doing... All of these places present to us opportunities to say, Oh, there's a space where Genesis 1 has not yet been completed, and I can come along. And I can bring function to that. I can bring order to that. I can bring clarity to that. I can bring beauty to that. I can bring truth to that. I can bring life to that. I can add something to this. I can take that thing that is formless and void and dark, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, I can partner with him to bring about what God intends. Wherever we do this and however we do this, as contractors, as engineers, as architects, as people who are working in any industry that you can imagine, wherever you find yourself in, whenever we do this, even in the smallest ways, we are stepping into our call as co-creators with the Spirit. We're actually stepping into what it means for us to be human. We're living out our creative vocation in the world. This is why Paul calls us in that passage in Galatians to actually plant for the Spirit. Well, how do we plant for the Spirit? By doing good work to everyone that we have an opportunity to do good to whenever that opportunity presents itself. But this is not something we do under our own strength. This is something that we always do with the Spirit. We do not create on our own. Instead, we collaborate with the Creator Spirit. There's a beautiful example of this in Exodus 35. Exodus 35 tells the story about the people that God gathers together to create and construct the tabernacle. And it was just read beautifully for us by Tracy, who nailed all those Old Testament names just a second ago. Well done. <laughs> We'll see if I do half as well as we walk through. So, Exodus 35, then Moses said to the Israelites See, the Lord has called by name Bezalel, son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with divine spirit. The original language says, has filled him with the spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, and knowledge in every kind of craft. To devise artistic designs and to work in gold and silver and bronze, to work in cutting stones for setting, and then carving wood and every kind of craft. And he's inspired him to teach both him and Aholiab, son of Ahismach, of the tribe of Dan. And he's filled them with what? Filled them with skill. To do every kind of work done by an artisan or by a designer or by an embroiderer in blue and purple and crimson yarns. I'm not sure what school colors those are, but if it's yours, you can holler out at that point. And in fine linen or by a weaver, by any sort of artisan or skilled designer. But But this passage tells us is that there was this work to be done, this designing and constructing the tabernacle, and God filled... These gentlemen and those that came around them with the Spirit of God to do the work. When we typically think about the Spirit-filled life, when we think about being filled with the Spirit, there's all kinds of things that come to our mind. If you come from like a charismatic or Pentecostal background, what it means to be filled with the Spirit is to be able to speak in other tongues. Like that's what it means to be Spirit-filled. In other situations, we might think like, oh, spirit-filled means that you have received a baptism of the Holy Spirit and you have the gifts of the Spirit. Those things are true. We talked about those last week a little. These are ways that the Spirit fills us and works. For some from a different background, you be like, oh, spirit-filled means that you're a pastor. It means you're in ministry in some capacity, that that's what spirit-filled life looks like is those who are called to those sort of like holy vocations. For others, like, oh, being filled with the spirit has this sense of, oh, I, I feel the presence. I know the presence of God and I experience it in worship or in prayer. My guess is it's very rarely that we think, oh, the spirit filled me to do my job. The Spirit is filling me for my vocation. The Spirit is filling me for my career. The Spirit is filling me for the work that I'm doing, both my paid and my unpaid work. We tend to sort of isolate the Spirit to these kinds of things and these kinds of activities. And see, all of these things over here are spiritual, and this stuff over here, well, that's just something else That's just like the stuff that we have to do. But God doesn't split up our lives that way. And the Spirit doesn't sort of say like, oh, I'm interested and active in this area of your life, but not this area over here. The Spirit doesn't have to be diminished in that way. The Spirit actually wants to be involved in every aspect of Of our life. Here in this situation, there was a job to do, and so the Father called people to do it and then filled them with the Spirit. And filled them with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, the things that they needed to do the work. The Spirit was filling them for those things. The Spirit showed them what to do and how to do it and gave them the ability to do it. Through the Spirit, they knew what they needed. Through the Spirit, they had insight into tackle problems. Through the Spirit, all of their experience and training and natural gifts and abilities and skills were being used in a particular way. Why? Because the Spirit is the one who actually enables our abilities. That this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit is the one who is enabling you to do the very things that you are called to do in the place that you find yourself in. This morning, I just want to encourage you when you think about your work, whether that is your paid or your unpaid work. Maybe that's the work of being a student. Maybe it's the career you find yourself in right now. Maybe it's the work that you find on the other side of retirement where all of a sudden the work has shifted or changed. Or maybe you're in the middle of a job transition and thinking through things. When you see all of the things that are before you to do, And you think about what you have, what you bring to those situations, what you offer, the unique skills and talents and gifts and abilities that you have. Do you see those things as the gifts of the Spirit? Do you see those things as the way the Spirit has actually filled you? The Spirit is filling you for those things too. Or maybe you find yourself in a situation where you're like, hey, in this season of my life or in this vocation that I'm in right now, in this job that I'm in or in this situation outside of work, do you find yourself needing to do something, needing to respond to something and finding lack? Then actually, I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to solve this problem. I don't know how to relate to this person. I don't know how to get around this challenge or through this situation that I'm in. Have you asked the Spirit of God to fill you for that? Sometimes we ask the Spirit of God to fill us to do all kinds of things. But this passage invites us to ask the Spirit of God to come and fill us, even for the things that we're encountering in our paid and our unpaid work. The Spirit is the one that is enabling our abilities Or maybe you find yourself in a situation where your abilities have changed. Maybe there's been an accident that's happened. Maybe a sickness has happened. Maybe it's just the likelihood that as we get older, our abilities shift. Our energy shifts. The things that we were once able to do, we're not able to do in the same way, in the same time, to the same degree that we're able to do them before. But what are the abilities that the Spirit is now highlighting in this season? What is he highlighting to the things that are still in the power that he's given you to be able to do? Are you beginning to see those things as a gift or only seeing the things that have been lost? Are you seeing new gifts? Because the spirit's wanting to work in those things, in those places, in the season that you're in, enabling your abilities for what? For co-creation, for working alongside of him in all of those places of need in the world and bringing whatever it is that he's given you to bear on those things. Or maybe this morning you're like, actually, I haven't really thought those thoughts before because I've never actually seen my work as something spiritual. I've seen, pastor, I've seen your work as something spiritual, but not my work as something spiritual. But your vocation is a holy vocation as well. You're called into that place. And maybe you just haven't seen it that way, we're like, well, I just do this work because I kind of like it. Or I just do this work because uh, I became interested in this. Or I just did this work because I, I happen to be good at these kind of things. But it's just a job. It's just chores. It's just a to-do list. Is it? Maybe it's something profoundly more. Genesis, or Exodus 36 says this, Moses then called Bezalel and Aholiab um, and every skillful one to whom the Lord had given skill. Everyone whose heart was stirred, for what purpose? Was stirred to come and do the work. Was stirred to come and do the work. See, the Spirit is the one who always stirs our passions. The Spirit is the one who, st- who stirs our desires. The Spirit is the one who stirs our interests. The Spirit is the one who stirs the things that we care about. The Spirit is the one that causes us to be concerned about certain things in the world or causes us to enjoy certain things, or causes us to be interested in certain things. The the Spirit is the one that stirs all of that. How does he do it? He does it in a variety of ways. Exodus 35, the way that this story began was the Lord calling someone. The Lord called these people. And here in Exodus 36, it says that Moses called them. The way that the Spirit stirs is by the Lord calling us, and oftentimes that call comes through other people. Other people starting to point out, hey, actually, you're really good at that. Hey, you're talented at that. Hey, I have this need. I need help here. And oftentimes, the way that the Lord calls is he does so through other people. Have you thought just maybe in those moments where you became interested in something, do you ever think that maybe that was the Lord calling you? Calling you into that place, calling you into that career, calling you into the profession, calling you into that opportunity? Or have you ever thought maybe the things that people have said to you over the years, like, you're really good at that. You're quite talented at that. That seems to come really natural to you. Have you considered that that may be the way the Lord is calling you into something through the course of other people? When I was a kid, uh, there would be, you know, either at school or at church, always these, you know, sort of like programs uh, where kids would be singing. I don't know why, we just have this like incessant need as people to put kids in front of crowds and tell them to sing. Uh, and always, as our group was preparing for that, the teacher or the organizer, whoever it was, would, would come alongside me at some point along the way, and they would say, Jason, we have this really special part for you. We need someone to introduce the class at the beginning. Could you read this to everyone? In the middle of the song, we'd like someone to read this scripture. Could you read that scripture? Could you introduce this piece by telling us who it's from? And then you can just be seated right over here while the rest (laughs) of your classmates sing. I think that was the way the Lord was telling me he did not gift me for music. And maybe, just maybe, there were seeds for public speaking just planted in me in those moments. Maybe that was the Lord speaking (laughs) through other people. (laughs) Well-intentioned or not. (laughs) The other ways that the Lord kind of works in these places, it says here in this passage, is that everyone who has skills and everyone who the Lord gave skills. Isn't that fascinating? Everyone who has them and everyone who the Lord gave them. Well, which one is it? Yes. Yeah, whatever skills you have, the Lord gave in some way. And whatever skills you've continued to grow in, the Lord has given in some way. One of the ways the Lord leads us in these sort of moments of asking like, Lord, where are you calling me to co-create with you in the world? Is by simply recognizing what are the skills that I have? What am I good at? What has the Lord already placed inside of me? And how can I hone those things? How can I grow in them? How can I get better at them? And how can I use them to help others? How can I use them to come into a Genesis 1 world and partner with the spirits and continuing to bring about life and beauty and wholeness and goodness and truth in the middle of those moments? What are those things? And how can I give myself to them? When I was a high school student, my uh, older brothers spent a lot of time in vocational tech classes. They were really handy, just good at those kinds of things. And so I thought following in my older brother's footsteps, I need to take woodworking. So I showed up for my first woodworking class and they began, the professor began to talk at the front, and I had no clue anything that he was saying. And then looking around at all my classmates who grew up on farms working with their hands, they're like, we get all of this. But everyone seemed to be right at home except for me. I was lost. And I had this fear grip me. I'm going to lose my four-point in woodworking class. <laughs> I have to get out of here as quickly as possible. Uh, My wife wished I would have stayed in the class, uh, but instead, (laughs) I I went and signed up for an independent study biomedical chemistry class. (laughs) At the time, I really thought I was going to be a doctor. That's all I'd wanted to do. I'd I'd wanted to be a baseball player, but I'm not good. Um, (laughs) So then I thought, well, I like science. Maybe I'll be a doctor. But I had to look at the skills. I didn't have those. I had other ones. How can I hone those skills? last thing it says here is everyone whose heart was stirred to come to do the work. The original language says all who the Lord lifted their heart. How has the Lord lifted your heart? What are the things that you notice that no one else notices? What are the things that you enjoy that maybe others don't enjoy? What are the things that you look at and you're like, actually, I'm I'm really good at that. I noticed that. I want to be a part of that. What are the things that stir inside of you? Is that perhaps maybe the Spirit stirring you, guiding you? moving into places where you can co-create with him. I wanted to be a doctor forever. And then shortly after I came to Christ in high school, I had this realization that I came to Christ largely because of all of these adults in my life that came in to my life as a, as a 16-year-old guy and just my life unraveling with uh, my parents separating and a number of other things were happening in my life at the time. And my, my life was unraveling. It was all of these adults who loved Jesus that came alongside of me in those moments and shared the gospel with me and helped me kind of navigate those troubled waters. And all of a sudden I woke up one day and I realized I want to do that. Like I started to care about other teenagers that were going through similar experiences and decided, actually, I don't think I want to be a doctor. I I want to be a youth pastor. My mom was terribly disappointed (laughs) at that moment. (laughs) She's fine now, but but all of a sudden my, my heart was stirring in a different way. How, how is your heart being stirred? What are you passionate about? What do you care about? What are you concerned about? Maybe that's the Lord calling you into places that need co-creation. As the band comes forward, Frederick Buechner once said that the place God calls you is the place your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Where the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. I love that quote. It's inspiring. and also can be a little bit overwhelming. (laughs) You're like, the world's deep hunger? That feels pretty big to me. And I'm not sure how my gladness around baseball statistics really helps uh, in that situation. Sometimes those things can be overwhelming to us. But we have to remember that the world is not just global. The world is local. The world actually starts where you live. The world is the place that you currently inhabit. The world is the place that you find yourself in. The world includes the place that you live, the place that you work, the place that you worship, the place that you buy your groceries. The world starts for many of us with our home, with our neighbors, with our church, with our city, with our schools. This is the world that we've been placed in, the world that we inhabit. And what the Spirit wants to do is He wants to stir us to see and meet the needs there, to come alongside with Him there and to co-create with Him there. There are maybe moments where the Lord calls us somewhere else. The Lord does that at times. But that's not simply where the spiritual life begins. It begins here and now, where the Spirit moves our hearts and we begin to care about people and things and what's happening all around us. And then we begin to see how the skills that we have can actually be brought into those situations to co-create with the Spirit, to take that which has been formless and empty and void and lifeless lifeless, to work with the Spirit, to bring about goodness in the world. Would you stand with me this morning? As we prepare our hearts to come to the table, I just want to take a moment here to pray. If you're facing something in your paid or non-paid work, or maybe in a transition time between school and first career, or maybe between a lifelong in a career and now, this new season of retirement, would you just, if that's you, would you begin to open up your hands and just say, Lord, would you fill me with your spirit for what's ahead? If there's an obstacle that you're facing, if there's wisdom that you need, if there's discernment, would you need, ask the spirit? The spirit cares about this part of your life. Ask him for it. Or maybe if you're like, I've just never thought of my life that way. I don't even know what it means to co-create with the spirit. I don't know what I'm called to. I don't know what my gifts, my talents, my abilities, my passions, those things are. I feel lost. Ask the Spirit to call you this morning. Open up your hands just say, Lord, would you call me? Would you show me? Would you help me walk with you to that place? Just so whatever it is that's stirring inside of you, would you begin to pray? I'm to ask him. Speak,
3: ask him to reveal.